Part two, chapter five of the Adventures of Jimmy Dale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wyatt. The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard. Part two, chapter five. Was he in the city? In a suburban town? On a country road? It seemed childishly absurd that he could not at least differentiate to that extent. And yet, from the moment he had been placed in the automobile in which he now found himself, he was forced to admit that he could not tell. He had started out with the belief that knowing New York and its surroundings as minutely as he knew them, it would be impossible, do what they would to prevent it, that in the end of his journey he should be without a clue, a very good clue at that, to the location of what he now called appropriately enough it seemed the crime club but he had never ridden blindfolded in a car before he could see absolutely nothing and if that increased or accentuated his sense of hearing it helped little the roaring of the race car beat upon his eardrums the more heavily that was all he could tell of course the nature of the roadbed they were running on an asphalt road that was obvious enough but city streets and suburban streets and hundreds of miles of country road around new york were of asphalt traffic he was quite sure for he had strained his ears in an effort to detect it that there was little or no traffic but then it must be one or two o'clock in the morning and at that hour the city streets certainly those that would be chosen by these men would be quite as deserted as any country road and as for a sense of direction he had none whatever even if the car had not been persistently swerving and changing its course every little while if he had been able to form even an approximate idea of the compass direction in which they had started he might possibly have been able in a general way to counteract this further effort of theirs to confuse him but without the initial direction he was essentially befogged with these conclusions finally thrust home upon him jimmy dale philosophically subordinated the matter in his mind and leaning back composed himself as comfortably as he could upon his seat there was a man beside him and he could feel the legs of two men on the seat facing him these with the driver would make four he was still well guarded the car itself was a closed car not hooded the sense of touch told him therefore a limousine of some description these facts in a sense inconsequential were absorbed subconsciously and then jimmy dale's brain remorselessly active in spite of the pain from his throbbing head was at work again it seemed as though a year had passed since in the early evening as larry the bat he had burrowed so ironically for refuge in chang foo's den from her it seemed like some mocking unreality some visionary dream that so short a while before he had read those words of hers that had sent the blood coursing and leaping through his veins in mad exultation at the thought that the culmination of the year had come that all he longed for hoped for all his soul cried out for was to be his in an hour an hour and he was to have seen her the woman whose face he had never seen the woman whom he loved and the hour instead the hours since then had brought a nightmare of events so incredible as to seem but phantoms of the imagination phantoms he sat up suddenly with a jerk the face of the dead chauffeur the limp form lashed in that chair the horrible picture of its entirety every detail standing out in ghastly relief took form before him god knew there was no phantom there the man beside him 
at the sudden start, lifted a hand and felt hurriedly over the bandage across Jimmy Dale's eyes. Jimmy Dale was scarcely conscious of the act. With that face before him, with the scene reenacting itself in his mind again, had come another thought, staggering him for a moment with the new menace that it brought. He had had neither time nor opportunity to think before. It had been all horror, all shock, when he had entered that room. But now, like an inspiration, he saw it all from another angle. There was a glaring fallacy in the game these men had played for his benefit tonight, a fallacy which they had counted on glossing over, as it had indeed been glossed over by the sudden shock with which they had forced this scene upon him, or failing in that, they had counted on the fact that his, or any other man's nerve, would have failed when it came to open defiance, based on a supposition which might, after all, be wrong, and, being wrong, meant death. But it was not supposition. Either he was right now, or these men were childish, immature fools. And whatever else they might be, they were not that. Not a single drop of poison had passed the chauffeur's lips. The man had not been murdered in that room. He had not, in a sense, been murdered at all. The man, absolutely unquestionably, without a loophole for doubt, had either been killed outright in the automobile accident, or had died immediately afterward probably without regaining consciousness, certainly without supplying any of the information that was so determinedly sought. Yes, he saw it now. Their backs were against the wall. They were at their wit's end, these men. The knowledge that the chauffeur possessed, that they knew he possessed, was evidently life and death to them. To kill the man before they had wormed out of him what they wanted to know, or at least until, by holding him a prisoner, they had exhausted every means at their command to make him speak, was the last thing they would do. Jimmy Dale sat for a long time quite motionless. The car was speeding at a terrific rate along a straight stretch of road. He could almost have sworn, guided by some intuitive sense, that they were in the country. Well, even if it were so, what did that prove? They might have started from New York itself, only to return to it when they had satisfied themselves that he was sufficiently duped. Or they might have started legitimately from outside New York and be going towards the city now. Since the ultimate destination was New York, and they had made no attempt to hide that from him, it was useless to speculate. For at best, it could be only speculation. He had decided that once before. The man at his side felt again over the scarf to see that it was in place. Curiously, Jimmy Dale recalled the inward monitor that had warned him the honors had not all been his in this first round with the crime club tonight. If they had deliberately murdered the chauffeur because of a refusal to answer, they would have equally done the same to him. Fool that he had been not to have seen that before. And yet would it have made any difference? He shook his head. He could not have acted any better advantage than he had done. He could not, his lips curled in grim derision, have been any more convincing. Convincing. It was all clear now. If a chauffeur had suffered death rather than talk, even admitting the fact that they had more grounds for suspecting the chauffeur's complicity, would his, Jimmy Dale's, mere denial, his choice, too, of death, have been any more convincing, or have saved his life where it had not saved the others? A certain added respect for these men, against whom, until the end now, his victory or theirs, he realized he was fighting for his life, came over him as he recognized the touch of a master hand. 
They did not know where to find the toxin. The package that she had said was vital to them was still beyond their reach. The chauffeur was dead, and he, Jimmy Dale, alone remained. A clue that they had still to prove vowed or invowed, it was true, but the only clue in their possession. And gaining nothing from him by a show of force, to throw him off his guard, they had let him go. Meaning him to believe, they were convinced he knew nothing, and that the episode, the adventure of the night, was, as far as they were concerned, ended, finished, and done with. Time passed, a very long time, as he sat there. It might have been an hour. He could only hazard a guess. Not one of the men in the car had spoken a word. But to Jimmy Dale, the car itself, the ride, its duration, these three strange companions were for the time being extraneous. Even that sick giddiness in his head had, at least temporarily, gone from him. And so, all unsuspecting, he was to lead them to the toxin and fall into the trap himself. His hands, thrust deep in his pockets, were tightly clenched. They were clever enough, ingenious enough, powerful enough, to watch him henceforth at every turn, and from now on, day and night, they were to be reckoned with. Suppose that in some way, as it might well have happened, for it was now vitally necessary that she should communicate with him, and he with her. He had played blindly into their hands, and through him she should have fallen into their power. It brought a sickening chill, a sort of hideous panic to Jimmy Dale, and then fury, anger, in a torrent, surged upon him. There came a merciless desire to crush, to strangle, to stamp out this inhuman band of criminals that, with intolerable effrontery to the laws of God and man, were so elaborately and scientifically equipped for their monstrous purposes. And then Jimmy Dale, in the darkness, smiled again grimly as the leader's reference to the gray seal recurred to him. Well, perhaps, who knew, they would have reason more than they dreamed of to wish the gray seal enrolled in their own ranks. It was strange, curious, he had thought all that was ended. Only a few short hours before, he had hidden away all. Everything that was incident to the life of the gray seal, the clothes of Larry the Bat, that little metal case with the gray-colored adhesive seals, a dozen other things, believing that it only remained for him to return and destroy them at his leisure as a finishing touch to the gray seal's career. And now, instead, he was face to face with the gravest, most dangerous problem that she had ever called upon him to undertake. Well, at least the odds were not all in the crime club's favor. Where they now certainly believed him to be entirely off his guard, he was thoroughly on his guard. And where they might suspect him, watch him, they would suspect and watch only the character, the person of Jimmy Dale, and count not at all upon either Larry the Bat or the Gray Seal. A sort of savage elation fell upon Jimmy Dale. His brain, that had been stagnant, confused, physically sick with pain and suffering, was working now with its old-time vigor and ease, mapping, planning, scheming the way ahead. To strike, and strike quick, to strike first. It must be his move next, not theirs. And he must act tonight at once, the moment he was given this pretense of liberty that they had in store for him before they had an opportunity of closing down around him with a network of spies that he could not elude. By morning, Jimmy Dale would be Larry the Bat, and inhabiting the sanctuary again, and a tip to Jason, his old butler, to the effect to say that he had gone away for a trip would account for his disappearance satisfactorily enough. It would not necessarily arouse their suspicions when they eventually discovered he was gone. 
for against that was always the possibility and the quite likely presumption where they had succeeded in nothing else they had least succeeded in frightening him thoroughly and to the extent of imbuing him with a hasty desire to put a safe distance between himself and them and now with his mind made up to his course of action an intense impatience to put his plan into effect an irritation at the useless twistings and turnings of the car that had latterly become more frequent and took hold upon him how much longer was this to last they must have been fully an hour and a half on the road already and ah the car was stopping now he straightened up in his seat as the machine came to a halt but the man at his side laid a restraining hand upon him the car door opened and one of the men got out jimmy dale caught an indistinct murmur of voices from without and then the man returned to his seat and the car went on again another half hour passed that curbing his irritation and impatience was filled with the conjectures and questions that anew came crowding in upon his mind why had the car made that stop it was rather curious it was certainly a prearranged meeting place why and these clothes that he now wore why had they made him change his own had not been very badly torn the reason given him was on the face of it now in view of what he now knew were mere pretense what was the ulterior motive behind that pretense what did this package that had already cost a man his life to-night contain who was the chauffeur what was this death feud between the tocsin and these men did she know where the crime club was who and where was john johansen what was this box that was number four twenty eight could she supply the links that would forge the chain into an unbroken hole and then for the second time the car slowed down and this time the man on the seat behind Jimmy Dale reached up and untied the scarf. You get out here, the man said tersely. End of Part 2 Chapter 5 Recording by Wyatt